Well, would you describe yourself as a patient person? Would other people describe you as a patient person? That's a different question. Um, I think in general I would say I'm a patient person. Those who know me well here don't need to uh, say any more about that. Uh, I remember one instance when I was a boy, something that taught me a lesson about being patient, what it was like to wait for something. Uh, when I was nine years old, I really, really wanted to get a Nintendo Entertainment System to be seen on the screen there, yes. Now, that's a gaming console. Nowadays, that would be considered retro, and people in their 30s and 40s are still playing these things today, yes. But um, in the early 90s, that was about as good as it gets. Uh, and my parents told me they would buy me one for my 10th birthday. And this meant that I had to wait almost a whole year to get one. At that age, a year might as well be a hundred years. <laughs> might as well be a century. And so I, I know you're all wishing that you could have called child protection on my parents at the time for doing this to me. But I did manage to wait somehow and I was really happy when it came. Now, I wonder if you've ever had any experience like that, waiting for something. I expect that you have, given that for the past two years, we've all had the experience of having to wait for up to three months at a time just to be able to leave the house and see other people again. You know what it's like to be patient. And I say this today because our passage from James that we've read is about patience and perseverance. If we go back to the portion of chapter 5 just before the reading that we had, we can see that James is writing this letter to Christians who, unlike nine-year-old me, actually had some real serious problems to be patient about. They were being continually mistreated by wealthy people who used their power to rob them of their homes and their livelihoods and even the basic things that they needed to live. And that's the background situation to a lot of the message in this letter of James. And the word of encouragement that James gives to them in this experience is that God is actually sensitive to this injustice and he is storing up judgment for those people who are treating them this way, these rich people. What, they ha what these rich people have done is not forgotten. It will be dealt with in the fullness of time. So James's word about patience, therefore, and why Christians should be patient is based on what James believes about the plans of God and the actions of the Lord Jesus. Jesus is coming, he says. He will return, so patience and perseverance that you have, it's going to be rewarded. Now, before we look at more deeply at that topic, I want to go back for a minute because this is our final reading and week in the book of James. Um, and this topic of patience and perseverance, it really allows us to summarise what we've learnt so far from what James has to say this month. So as we saw in the first week on this book, in chapter 1, the purpose of this letter that James gives is to encourage Christians and provide them with a worldview that enables us to understand what's happening to us in the world when we experience trials and difficulty. What's happening to us in this world when we experience trials and difficulty. And essentially what James teaches us is that the difficult experiences of life in this age of the earth are not signs of God's lack of love for us. They're actually challenges and opportunities that will test and improve our character and maturity on our journey to be like Jesus. So the key verses for me are in chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
So you hear that? The goal of our lives as Christians is to become mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so the tests and trials of life, they're like exercises that we go through and they strengthen us and stretch us to move forward. Um, And without that, we'd miss the opportunities that God gives us to grow, these trials. Now, while that's a somewhat scary idea that the the trials of life are actually a purposeful and good thing for us, uh, what it does, I think, is it changes our attitudes to those trials from one where we might feel I'm helpless, I'm passive, I'm resentful in the face of these difficulties to one where I'm empowered, I'm encouraged, I know I can move forward into a deeper experience of God's love and goodness through these things. So in the rest of the letter then, James addresses some topics. What is this growth in maturity and completeness? What does it look like for Christians? So in chapter 2, he talks about favoritism, about how we're called to be aware of how the patterns of social life in the world can influence how Christians treat each other in the church in a negative way. So he says you need to be aware more of the values of the kingdom of God and how they're really different from the values in the society that we have, which prioritizes wealth, success, and power. And so the kingdom of God is actually more clearly seen when we experience poverty, weakness, and our need for grace. And those are the things that should be sought after and honoured. James also talks, as we've seen, um, a lot about wisdom and how the true wisdom in our lives should come from God and reflect his character and purposes. And finally, we saw last week that our participation in justice in the world, which is real things, real action, real justice, it's a priority and it shows the reality of our faith and the the way we actually participate in God's kingdom. So as we arrive back today at this topic of patience and perseverance, we can see the overall message here. So James is saying to be truly engaged in our faith is to be engaged on a journey with Jesus. We're moving through this world, we're moving through its troubles, and we have the opportunity then to learn, to grow, and to contribute, to encourage each other, and to arrive at this deep experience of the kingdom of God in the fullness of time. This is where James is leading us as we read in verse 8 to 9. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. And this is why perseverance is so important. James, and then James gives examples of why and how this has always been, always been the case for God's people throughout history, to persevere, even for those who didn't have the clear hope that these Christians have. So the two examples he gives are of the Old Testament prophets, as we've seen, um, and the story of Job. Now, the story of Job we're familiar with, of course, because his story is a parable about perseverance in faith and patience through incredible trials. And on the other side, he had this renewed time of blessing from God. That's the Job story. But I think if we, the, the, actually, the Old Testament prophets are actually more interesting as an example to us, I think, because their patience that we see in them, it was not based on the hope that they themselves would actually receive blessings or deliverance in their own lifetime. The prophets we read about persevered in faith at their, in their time because they had confidence that in the fullness of time, God would fulfill his promises. He would restore the world. He would bring justice and healing. They, they believed that was going to happen. Even if in their own lives, all they saw was failure and destruction. So that's why the prophets are a kind of paradigm, an example of faith and perseverance through trials that builds maturity and character, an example for us. 
And that, that example reminds me also, if you look in uh, the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 11, there's a kind of roll call there of the saints of the Old Testament, where the writer of that letter gives example after example of people described in the Old Testament, people like Abraham, people like Moses, the prophets and the faithful leaders of Israel, who persevered in faith and in positive action for God's kingdom because of their hope in what God would do in the future or even in the age to come after their own death. As Hebrews 11 says, um, the chapter starts and ends with a commendation of those people. So in verses 1 to 2 and then 39, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with them, us, would they be made perfect. So the Christian hope then is that through these trials of faith, when we go through them, we will be made perfect along with the rest of those who follow Jesus and those who've always followed God throughout the years. And that's the possibility and the hope that Jesus has opened up for Christians through his death and resurrection. That the experience of trials and difficulties in life, even up to and including death itself, are still be able to be turned into an opportunity to grow in maturity. And eventually arrive at the point where we ourselves are true images of God and reflect his character. Our reading today that Anne gave us ended with an affirmation of the character of God in verse 11. James says, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. You might think about what does the word compassion mean? Well, that, it's a word that is made up of the words that means to suffer with someone. So a compassion is to suffer along with someone. And mercy, I think, is the desire to bring help and comfort to those who are suffering. James would, have, would tell us, I think, that for God, compassion and mercy is the natural way that God is. That is his being. God is love. God is good. He is always the way he is forever. He will never change. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. For us, as creatures, to be like this, to be like God, to be compassionate and merciful, is something we need to grow to become when we grow into the fullness of maturity <clears throat> of what we were made to be, to be in the image of this God, to reflect his character. So how do we get there? How do we become full of compassion and mercy like the God? Well, we go through these trials. We go through this experience of working with God in the world and his compassion and mercy. And that happens largely in response to the difficulties that we experience. And so when it comes to us, I think God is like this image that James uses of a farmer who's waiting patiently for his crop to grow. He's ten God is tending the seeds he has sown in us as we grow and develop into a harvest. And yes, we go through difficult times, but through that time, it's like the pruning or the careful care that lets, the, lets us grow into what he wants us to be. That's why the trials are meaningful. Now, so I, I think as we finish that um, book, I think it's entirely appropriate then as a message for us as we start to really get into 2022, um, what we're facing at the moment and probably for many years to come, um, is a long journey. It's going to include many trials as we go through restoring and renewing our church, our lives, our community um, and our country after this difficult time. And of course, it's not finished yet. We all know there's many things that might still come. But the hope that James shares with us is that this kind of experience is not 
a diversion from reality. It's not a diversion from God's plan. It's always been the Christian way um, for us to grow in maturity and completeness, lacking nothing, through patient and persevering faithfulness to the work of God's kingdom. So I think there's hope in us, in this for us, as there was for the Old Testament prophets and the saints who hoped and who waited for the coming of Christ. You know, and I need that encouragement myself at the moment, I'm sure many of us do, that there is a purpose and there is a hope in persevering and moving forward faithfully each day in the work that we have to do. So next week we're going to be starting a new series, as I said, on the Gospel of Luke, and I intend that will run for the rest of the year. We're going to go through most of the Gospel in that time. And I call that the whole Gospel. And as I mentioned in my first sermon on James, I think that wholeness is a good theme for us as a church this year, uh, to reflect on how we can have an understanding of the whole message of the gospel, the whole message of Jesus, the whole Bible. What does a whole and complete, mature Christian faith, lacking nothing, actually look like? All of us have a long way to go, don't we, until we actually arrive there. But we can see from James that Jesus always invites us to move further with him, day by day. So I encourage us now as we anticipate the term beginning and the activities of the year starting again, let's take up those challenges and opportunities that God's giving us to work with him. So I'm going to say a word of prayer for us and we're going to sing again. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have provided us with a sure and certain hope in the face of the trials and difficulties of this world. And Lord, they are many. We know how difficult it is and the, and the things that are challenging us, particularly at this time. We pray that in the midst of that, we would know your presence, that you guide us, you grow us in wisdom, in patience, in perseverance, that we seek justice, that we learn what it is to do the work of your kingdom in this world. I pray for everyone here that we would be refreshed with hope and joy as we contemplate that work together. In Jesus' name, amen.